comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Everybody and welcome to episode 120 of the Walking Dead TV podcast. Back from the dead, I'm Jordan from Jersey. Joined this week by Russell Latham, Jim Dietz, and Aaron Newirth. How y'all doing? Heyo, good. Well, we got maybe what one more month and 12 more days, something like that, from when we're recording this until the new season begins. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, it's practically right around the corner. Yeah, yeah it's it's been a while since we've done our last episode. We've been busy uh, going back to see uh, Guardians of the Galaxy in theaters over and over and over again, but. Uh, we're here to talk some Walking Dead news uh, about the television show, the Telltale video game we're going to have a discussion about uh, towards the end of this episode, uh, the announcement of a new video game, and just how we've been over the last few weeks. So, uh, who wants to start off? Jim, I know you looked up a bunch of news for us. Uh, you, you were you were sniffing out the sleuthing uh, clues, and that doesn't make any sense as a sentence, but it was still alliterative. So, go ahead. Um, well, I know we're going to have a big discussion about the uh, the end of the season of the Telltale game. Uh, later on in the episode, because you and Aaron and myself have, have finished uh, the, the season finale there. But we also, uh, I wanted to mention that um, Overkill Studios announced during San Diego Comic-Con that they're partnering, partnering with Skyward, um, not Skyward, um, Skybound, Skybound, thank you, Robert Kirkman's production house, to create a new um, Walking Dead video game for next generation consoles and PC. Um, this is a studio that did the cooperative uh, heist game called Payday. Uh, in Payday 2 for the PlayStation. Uh-huh. Um, they have a pretty good pedigree. They have a, um, Those games were, were totally solid. And um, they really didn't have any other things to say about it other than that was the studio and that they were going to do something with the license. So we don't know if it's going to be a shooter or a third-person shooter. Um, I do know the Payday games were in third-person, much like um, GTA. Um, you could switch from third to first-person in the game. Um, so they're also supposed to be good. That was the thing yeah. I liked about that. Yeah. Like, yeah, supposed so to be good good well, after, after, yeah, after that one, um, what was it? Survival instinct. Uh, what the, Mer- the, Merle, the Merle and Daryl's favorite yes. adventures or something. Whatever call of Duty. Yeah. Merle, Merle and Daryl's big adventure. Um, they used the, like the old call of duty engine or something. So, but like I said, trying to get back got... Merle's favorite bicycle. I think that's what the, that's yeah, that was, that was exactly it. I remember yeah. I had a banana seat. Anyway, um, Overkill Studios is a very good pedigree. The games they've come they've come out with so far are really solid, and they're going to be working with Kirkman's uh, directly with Kirkman's production studio. So, should be interesting cool. to see what they do. 
Yeah, and Robert Kirkman was in the announcement video, and he really heavily distanced himself from Survival Instincts because it was terrible. But uh, he he's right there with this one. He seems to be right behind it, which is a, a good sign. From what I hear, it's going to be set in D.C. around the fall of you know, the government or around, you know, the actual uprising of the zombies. So that should be pretty interesting um, setting right there. I mean, and quite frankly, if this is basically left for dead, but set in the, you know, the Walking Dead universe, that sounds like it could be a lot of fun for me. You know, I love the story in the Telltale game. It is fantastic. It is the absolute selling point of that. And I'm like, we'll talk about it towards the end of this episode because it's so good. But I, I don't know if this one needs a ton of story if it's if it's set well if it if it plays well I think that was a lot of the problems with the uh, the the uh, survival instincts game was just the gameplay was pretty god awful but if they can really nail down the gameplay here and like Jim said you know they have a great pedigree with doing that uh, this could be a really fun co op zombie game set in the Walking Dead universe yeah I figure if you know. I like the Walking Dead, the Telltale game, because of the story. I already have that, so if I'm going to get another Walking Dead game, it might as well be one that focuses on another aspect that could be well handled, which would be, you know, the action, uh, you know, way to go about things. So, yeah, if it, if it works out that way, you know, Kirkman's involved and in maybe, you know, making the story at least somewhat worthwhile, yeah, that could be could be solid. That's a good point. It'd be a good counterpoint to like the story heaviness of the Telltale games, and uh, um, you know, like I said, their pedigree is for you know four player co ops, so it wouldn't be you know far fetched to think it would be a Left for Dead type situation, um, you know, set in the Walking Dead universe, and I could totally go for that. Um, and in tangent- tangential um video game news for all the horror fans out there, um, Daryl Dixon himself, Norman Reedus, has lent his likeness and is um filming uh, motion capture for uh, Guillermo del Toro and Hideo Kojima's collaborative reboot of the Silent Hill video game series. Yes, so, Silent Hills. If any of those names intrigue you, then you should check this out. The um the demo, the announcement slash demo was called PT uh that was put up on uh, for free download on Steam. That's what that was. Yeah. And it was, <laughs> I, it was I'm so out of the taste. loop on this. Oh my God. <laughs> it was a little taste of, of and you had to finish the, the demo to find out the reveal of Norman Reedus, Hideo Kojima, and and Guillermo del Toro working together on this. It's going to be called Silent Hills, uh, plural. But it's I gotta, using. Oh, I'm sorry. Go I got to step in because this is so like crazy to me right now. I I, I downloaded. I had the PS4. I saw PT on there. I was like, I didn't know what that was. This is how like out of the loop I was in video games this summer because I unless it's like Walking Dead or like a downloadable game like a dlc game it's like whatever but i, I downloaded pt because just i was curious and i started playing and no idea what it was and i was playing it late at night lights off and i was getting freaked out by this game i was like what is this what's happening and i and yeah i didn't finish it because I, I basically just got too fresh I was like why am i playing this this late when i didn't realize i was going to play a horror game to begin with so i just kind of stopped playing it but now i'm like more excited like oh, i gotta go finish this game apparently there's also a bunch of different endings from what i understand yeah. i haven't actually played it but i've watched some of the the videos of different games journalists i i uh, respect playing through the game and it is gorgeous. Yes, the stuff they do with depth of field and with lighting in particular is is unlike anything else I've seen in a video game. Like it is genuinely creepy just based off those aspects alone. Well, what I was going to say is they're using the the Foxhound technology that they use in the Metal Gear uh, Ground Zeroes game uh, that's going to be coming out. They're using that engine for the graphics, and you're right, Jordan. It, that explains it. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. It's a beautiful demo and. And there are, like, several different endings, and to get the quote-unquote right ending where you get the announcement of the trailer of the new game is it's pretty tough to do from what I've heard, but the trailer's out there on YouTube, like uh, like Jordan said on Let's Plays or whatnot. 
Um, but yeah, it's the, the demo has just this great, great, creepy atmospheric vibe. You're basically the scenario is you're walking through the same hallway over and over. Um, as you, you know, you exit the hallway in one door, you actually open the door to start, you know, you walk yeah. down the, the hallway again. But each time there are several changes. Um, you know, a radio will be on telling them, you know, a story about a serial killing and, and one pass through. They're, you know, the rattling doors, like there's somebody behind them trying to hold them shut. Uh, at one point, and, you know, not too, I'm not spoiling too much here. You know, I mean, you find like an eraser head style baby in the sink and then the door is shut behind you in the bathroom. It's just like a really cool, like, very, very, you know, atmospheric, you know, uh, haunted house type setting. And, uh, it's really cool. I was really psyched for the game. And, uh, I know we have a lot of fans of Daryl Dixon out there. So I, I know the ladies will want to check it out with Norman Reedus at the, you know, it's the main guy. So, Hey, if, if Daryl Dixon starts for protecting me during this game, I'll be very happy myself. So yeah, that game is a, is a freak show for sure. And I recommend it to any of the horror game fans out there. It's a, it's a free download, I think, on Steam. I'm not, are, were they charging for it on the PlayStation? No, it's a, it, was, it was free. Yeah, it was free. Yeah, it's, it's a free download. It's definitely worth your time if you like horror games, like that kind of atmospheric horror. I'd recommend it. So what do we have for news of the actual Walking Dead? Can we jump right into the trailer? Because we haven't talked about the trailer for Season 5 That's, that's probably yet. the best place yeah. to start. Yeah, yes, let's absolutely. do that. <laughs> so that happened. <laughs> we got a trailer for the next season. <laughs> we had San Diego Comic Con, and just like every year for the last, well, five now, I guess. We might not have had it for the first season. I'm not 100% sure on that. But we got a, a brand new trailer for uh, the season, new song that we can use in the, the opening credits, all that kind of stuff. There was one for the first season because that's the only Walking Dead panel I've been able to make. Ever since then, it's been way too crowded for me to make it into Comic Con panels. For <laughs> <Walking Dead. laughs> and you know what? I think they showed the first episode at that at that Comic Con. No, just they? The, no they, just, they just premiered the, uh, the trailer. Just like the trailer. It was okay. like an extended, like, four-minute trailer or something. It might have been New York Comic Con where that, they played the episode. That'd be fair, yeah. Um, so anyway, in the, in the trailer, we, we see right where we ended off with the with the terrible boulderized line of uh, the screwing with the wrong people, which, by the way, if you have the DVD or Blu-ray set for Season 5, um, which we'll talk with Aaron about later, or if you look it up on YouTube, you can hear the real line, which is leaps and bounds better. But besides that fact, because we've already beat that into the ground, we go a little bit further into the future where, you know, they're throwing a gas grenade into the train car and they're dragging everybody out while they're wearing gas masks. Um, they're saying, hey, this wasn't personal. We didn't want to hurt you people, but it's still very creepy. What's the main um, sanctuary Terminus guy's name? Caleb or something? Um, Isn't it Gareth? Uh... Gareth, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's super creepy in every frame he's in. He, there's just something wrong with that guy. Um, there, it looks like they're about to kill Bob Stuckey when he says, "Hey, don't, don't kill us. You, you need to listen to us. We've got a scientist with us. We can set the world back to the way it was." Uh, there's some cross cutting back and forth, and finally, it looks like they're going to team up and go to Washington to try to reset things. Um, Rick makes lots of threats, tells Carl he's not safe no matter what anybody else says. They're in a church, which we'll get back to at a certain point. Um, it looks very similar to the church from, I believe it was season two, actually, but probably not the same one. Um, and then it looks like the trailer's over, and then we come back in and see Beth, because we had no idea where Beth was, and she seems to be in a prison slash hospital slash fallout shelter. Slash area a- that doesn't seem to be near Terminus. 
Yeah, with a woman in a full police uniform, you know, shoulder radio and everything, um, telling her that you're not part of the system, you're part of the problem, or something like that. It's like Silent Hill, actually. Punches her. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of. <laughs> and then uh, then she punches Beth, and then the trailer's over. So I, I don't mean to belittle it by running through it quickly like that, because it was a very good trailer. But I just wanted to get kind of all the different bits and pieces up there as fast as possible. It looks like we see um, Rick holding Judith at one point, which is interesting because those two groups had not met up by the end of the season. Um, but it could just be another blonde baby that he found lying around somewhere. It happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know how you're just walking around some days Throwing and you just find a perfectly blonde good baby. baby. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. Ho- there's it's, hobo babies most, everywhere nowadays, too. So, hobo, Did you say hobo babies? Yeah, they're hobo babies walking <laughs> the streets now. They, With their bindles? Yeah, exactly, yeah. They ho- hobo baby bindles. <laughs> <laughs> it's like rubber baby buggy bumpers. Like yeah, that. exactly. You just you just <laughs> came up with my Toad the Wet Sprocket cover band's name. Hobo <laughs> baby bindles. So what did you guys think of the trailer now that I've rambled on? I think the part where Beth gets hit is the part where Mike Jones like raised his hands and cheered. But um, besides that... <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I um I think this trailer is certainly delivering a lot of information. I I, I think it's wrong to assume to that you know where things are going because of it. Maybe along absolutely, with, except for maybe you know the basic gist of like the the first episode of the fifth season. But I think there's a lot of implications of what could be happening, but doesn't really give you too much to weigh in either way. Even if you think you might actually know, like we still don't know really anything about what's going on in Terminus. We know obviously there's. Obviously, Gareth's like not the greatest guy. I mean, if he was the greatest guy, he wouldn't have imprisoned everybody inside of a train car to begin with. But um, there's a lot of things to speculate on, which I like. I like that it you know it gives us stuff to look forward to, and it gives us this kind of a kind of a, a place to like, as opposed to like the fourth season, which you know I still you know like overall. Like it, I I you would know that they're in the prison, but like we had a lot of questions like why did they go to the prison, not Woodbury, yada yada yada. This one is like oh they're in Terminus. Bad stuff's happening. We need to get out of Terminus. Like that's. It seems like there's a clear cut thread of where we need to go so far, and I like that it's setting up questions of how we're going to get out of that scenario. I think a lot of people assume that at the end of the last season, you know, when they messed with the wrong people or whatever, that they're just going to wreck shop on Terminus. But it seems like uh, that's not the case. You know, they're going to. I mean, from the trailer, we find. I mean, again, I don't want to make the mistake of reading too much into the trailer because we've made that mistake in the past, and and you know, gone gone you know down uh, you know red herring way but um i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> okay anyway <laughs> <laughs> i mean we see you know collaboration obviously with gareth to, to try to get them to dc and stuff um that's something i did not expect to see at all i just thought it was yeah that's be, an like, interesting development diametrically opposed at war from from go you know rather than trying to work together um i don't know i and the beth thing it just just seemed kind of weird and and i, I wasn't sure I mean, I guess she could be at Terminus, but, may, but I mean, Aaron thinks not. I mean... Well, why would there be a woman in full police regalia anywhere at this point? Like, it's yeah. years past the zombie apocalypse. you got to figure, wherever they are, it looked like they had some power. It looked like there was an operating room. Um, there seemed to be some semblance of order, quote-unquote. I mean, dystopian-style order, but... It, it was certainly strange. It felt like it was out of a different show, but not in a bad way necessarily. It could bring some new life into into the show by just giving us a different perspective on things. Now, granted, I mean, Rick, when Rick was awakened and still like kind of in police mode, it was you know the early stages of infection or you know the the end of the world. But 
I think there is a, 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 and this is again speculating on what's going on exactly, but I think there is a way of, or you know, you want to cope with the situation by kind of proceeding as normal, which I think would explain a lot. Like, and I could like see that. wearing the clothes, but like the radio. Like, if that radio's not working, why wear it? Like, there's certain things where it brings up a lot of questions for me of how together is the society she's a part of at the moment. Maybe it's the Walking Dead Halloween episode where they all dress up in costumes and walk around. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe there is like a bastion. Maybe they, you know, shut, maybe it's like a hospital or a CDC place that they shut down when everything happened. I mean, they could be. Yeah, um, that's... they could be. I mean, it could be anything. I mean. Again, we've been down this path before of like trying to dissect every little frame from you know every trailer they put out. And oh, what's this? Could this be this and this? And you know, it, it can be a lot of fun, but then it can also be kind of misleading when we finally find out what it is, and we're you know we're kind of you know, smacking ourselves in the head. I did like the tra- the trailer. I, I thought the trailer was great. I'm really intrigued by the Beth stuff that you know, like we've been talking about, but that has me most excited um that and to see how tyrese and carol get back into the group that that's that's kind of the other piece the rick stuff i think that we've you know kind of seen enough and unfortunately i I wish they would have not showed us anything in that group because now i think we know that them getting out of the train car is probably going to be a somewhat um it's not going to be like some bloodbath or some the fighting out of it. They, it, it sounds like they find a way to talk their way out of it, or that something somebody comes in and interrupts that process. So, um, so I'm really intrigued by the Beth, the Beth and and the Tyree stuff more so than anything. I think there are more hints of cannibalism in the trailer. Um, yes. With, with, I, I don't want to get into it too much, but what, you know where Rick is still kind of out of it, it seems, and he sees kind of, kind of murky things in the distance where it looks almost like people cutting up bodies, but that could be a lot of things. What else is there that I'm missing in the trailer that we should probably mention? There's hints at some character deaths, I would say. Anybody in particular? Uh, Bob. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bob okay, was yeah, on the chopping yeah. block, it looks like. But, which I could see happening just because... He doesn't seem like a, a pivotal character necessarily, but one that, like, if you sacrifice, you'd kind of feel bad for because of the development for him, but not one that's, you know, essential to the series. So. Yeah, I, I like Bob. I wouldn't want to see him go, but I, I see what you mean. Yeah. There's that scene of uh, of Daryl and Glenn where they're kind of on their knees, and the guys in the background look like they kind of have almost like butcher's uh, aprons on or splatter aprons or something like that. So I'm wondering if that's maybe like a flashback. Perhaps. But I guess there has been speculation about Daryl, or not even speculation, but just, like, weird rumors about Daryl dying in this, like, season or whatever. So I guess it, it automatically makes this point moot. But, like, what if Daryl gets killed in the pilot in the first episode of Season 5? <laughs> There'd just be riots. It'd just be, t- be chaos everywhere. So is that about all the trailer analysis we've got? Well, I mean, without reading into it too much, I mean, like we've casting. talked about. Yeah, yeah, let's get into some casting awesome. news here. This could include spoilers. Uh, simply because of the fact that you know new characters will be coming into the show, but uh, you've been warned. We're, we're going to try to stay as spoiler-free as possible, but these people will be joining the show in some capacity. But before we get to that casting news, it's Jordan again, through the power of editing, editing, editing. Before we get to that casting news, we got an ad to read, and we recorded it during the episode, but for some reason, that's the one section that didn't fully record. But you're not getting off that easy. Hey, we got bills to pay. Yes, we know. You know our sponsor by now. It's Discount Comic Book Service at DCBService.com. But if you haven't checked them out yet, what is wrong with you? Are you some kind of commie or something? Because that's the only thing that makes sense if you haven't checked them out yet. Hey, you're watching The Walking Dead. You want to check out The Walking Dead comic? 
Netflix, or hey, did you catch the biggest movie of the summer, Guardians of the Galaxy, and want to go back and check out some of those comics? Trust me, the run you're looking for is the 2008 run by Dan Abbott and Andy Lanning. It's awesome. If you like that movie, check out that run. You won't be disappointed. Or is it Captain America? Or is it Superman? Or is it Batman? Or is it something just comic book for a lady? Do you want a Spider-Man hoodie? Do you want some kind of knickknack for your desk? If you can imagine it, and it's nerd and comic book related, there's a good chance you can get it at super deep discounts at dcbservice.com. Go to dcbservice.com, check out Discount Comic Book Service, let them know we sent you, and get great deals on the nerd stuff you were already going to buy, because it's awesome, and you're a nerd, trust me, I know, you don't want to admit it, but you're listening to the show, you're just like us, you're a nerd, and there's nothing wrong with that, so channel that energy into checking out the awesome stuff at dcbservice.com and letting them know we sent you. Alright, back to the episode with our first bit of casting. Seth Gilliam, from The Wire. Another Wire actor coming into The Walking Dead. I like Carver, too. Like him and, I forget his partner's name, the two of them that were always kind of into trouble and not not dirty, but just like kind of... Um, yeah, um, God, I forgot his name, too. And like, um, yeah, that's going to bug me. <laughs> and he will be playing the Preacher, is that correct? Correct. Father yes. Gabriel, yes. Father Gabriel. Father had many sons. Um, we don't know exactly whether this will follow the comic version of that character or not, but it is a previously existing comic book character. Um, and like we, like I said, we do see a church in the trailer, presumably his church, but maybe not. Maybe they'll just be going on a uh, church pub crawl type adventure this season. But uh, there could be some foreshadowing of it right there. It's interesting Herc. that... In... <laughs> Sorry, Herc is the name of the partner on The Wire <laughs> with Alice Garver. I'm just reading an interview with him, he said that he only read the comic up to the issue in which his character is introduced. Because, he says in the interview, he discovered from reading about the show that oftentimes characters' names and journeys are kind of crisscrossed and mismatched. So I thought I read too much, I might be giving myself the information that would be useless or outright wrong. Interesting. Yeah, it sounds like Which he I just read perfect sense. I've, al- I've always wondered, yeah, like- actually, how much of the, like, how much of the comics the actors have read. You know what I mean? It seems to vary pretty substantially from actor to actor. Yeah, like Stephen Yoon, like he's he was big on he was a big fan of the comic before he, you know, ever considered ever you know being Glenn to begin with. Like, but then like Andrew Lincoln's like you know never read the comic at all. So. Um, I also saw this is not confirmed yet, but the actor who played uh, I don't know if the character's name was Chris Rock in the show Everybody Hates Chris, but uh, the guy who played Chris and everybody who hates everybody hates Chris Tyler Williams. Was, uh, ostensibly a younger version of Chris Rock, will is rumored to have some role in Season 5. We don't know exactly what it is. Negan. But the rumor... <laughs> <laughs> but the rumors seem pretty, pretty strong uh, that he will be there. Also, in the picture on the one article I saw, he was dressed up like Steve Urkel for some reason, and I thought they were saying Jaleel White was joining the show, and I was kind of excited about that, but kind of... You know, trepidatious about it as well. That could be interesting, Julia White, on anything. Quite frankly, it's the the problem with Julia White is that is he just has a you know there's a stigma attached to him as an actor because he's been Urkel and he's known for being Urkel. So anything you, you, th- get, you don't think that's passed by now? I mean, no, I, I, I don't. Like... Honestly, I like it's it's fun. It you know it'd be great to see him like getting some great role where he you know finally you know can go over that. But Julia White comes out. People are going to make Urkel, Urkel jokes. Like, that's no, what that's no, like. I, I, they will make the jokes, but I, I feel like anybody younger than our generation doesn't even know what Urkel is anyway. 
people you didn't are not out of our generation will just be on Twitter <laughs> um, looking seeing all these Jaleel White jokes and then going up from there. Yeah, fair enough, but I don't know. I'd like to give the guy another chance. I'd, l- I, hey, I'd love to. I mean, I'm not. He's been in some college humor videos, which were pretty damn funny. Now, granted, the joke in them was that he used to be Urkel, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulling for you, Jaleel. We get him and uh, the girl who plays Topanga on Boy Meets World, and. Uh... Oh, she's, I think she's a little she's busy, busy with Girl Meets World, oh, yeah, which, is Girl Meets World. I, I which is really, horrible. Which is horrible. I don't keep up with my 90s uh, sitcom stars, sorry. <laughs> I'm a little behind. Uh, we did get a title for the premiere episode, um, No Sanctuary. Uh, so uh, October 12th, that episode, first one you see, titled No Sanctuary. Kind of fitting, considering where they are. Which is not a bird sanctuary. No. Yeah. Oh, we forgot to mention that the cop... Um, in the hospital is being played by Christine Woods. Where do I know that name? She was in Flash Forward. She's been in a lot of like sitcommy kind of TV related stuff. But she I do pretty... remember her in Flash Forward. She yeah. was uh, Joe Fine's partner or something, or she worked in his office or something, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was not a very good show, and we don't have a character name for her or anything yet. Nope. No. Yeah, it's a little weird. Like we we don't have nearly as much casting. I don't feel news as we've had in the past well they they're about due for some people to die i mean the cast is pretty big right now if you think about it so oh i don't disagree it's it's about it's it's i mean i don't know you know how this show goes (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to recommend really quick i don't know if anybody saw the the debut at san diego comic-con the new mcfarlane um uh walking dead play sets i guess is the best way to describe it uh, yeah yeah, I, I got a Locks. person. I was there. I told the person told me exactly about them. Yeah, it's like Lego version of McFarland toys, essentially. Right, and um, the the you know like the, they're like city blocks kind of. They're like, they look really great. I mean, I definitely um, am interested in them. You said you saw them in person. Yeah, yeah. They had the they had the sets there, and they had them like both in built form and then in pieces form. And the the the, the um whatever McFarland toys person was telling me all about it. Yeah, it's just like it. They're McFarland like they're little miniature models of McFarland. Like they're not you know full scale or not full scale, but they're not the traditional size of McFarland toys. But they're you know more kind of akin to Legos. And you build these kind of sets from walk. They had like a, they had a Daryl Dixon on a motorcycle one. They had a um, governor. Um, like headroom one, and they had a prison one, and it was pretty cool. Like they had like the little characters, like the little governors and little Daryls, and then you can build like the sets around them. And you know when they're finished, they look really cool and everything. It's, it, was, yeah. uh, it was intriguing. Yeah, they are really cool. I, I like to display my. I collect a lot of toys and action figures and stuff. I like to display them, and that's definitely something I'd uh, be interested in looking into. Yeah, the Daryl Dixon one with the motorcycle, especially, uh, struck, caught my eye. It looked really great with the chain link fence behind it and stuff. Um, he did play sets like this for the original, um, uh, like, uh, Universal Monsters back in the day, um, Frankenstein and Dracula and things like that, where they were a little smaller scale, but still have that level of detail that the Mark McFarlane uh, toys have, so, so it's pretty cool. If you, if you collect the action figures and the toys, you definitely want I, I'd check them out. Didn't you have some stuff, Russ? And mostly it was just the Comic-Con stuff and then, uh, everything else we talked about. I mean, I, I watched... Uh, a bunch of the Comic-Con videos, and it was kind of interesting to see some of the cast responses. Chandler Riggs came out with his big big uh, bucket of pudding. That was funny. <laughs> wow. And uh, the w- one question I thought was interesting uh, was somebody asked Norman Reedus, like, how much of Daryl is in him and he feels is in Daryl? And 
um, you know, he kind of responded and said, you know, kind of equal. He sees a lot of one and the other and vice versa. And I could kind of see that because you can, you know, when you I've, I've been to enough panels where I've seen Norman Reedus in person and then, you know, on video. And uh, I, I get that he's kind of almost like shy and guarded and, um, you know, just kind of uh, I, I, I definitely see the parallels. I, I don't I, I, I don't take it as he's doing a, a whole lot of. uh uh, method acting to to play Daryl Dixon. He certainly seems to have an, underst- an understanding of what the character is, though. I'd imagine, like, I, whether or not he's you know very close to how Daryl acts in real life. Yeah, whatever. Um, but it, based on like how I've you know heard him talk in interviews about the character and you know, heard him at the Comic Con panel and things, it seems like he he has a respect for what I guess what the Daryl character has become and like wants to you know kind of adhere to what he thinks makes this character tick and how he should appropriately appropriately respond to you know different scenarios involving his character in the show yeah and then it was kind of you know uh one of the bits was andrew lincoln talking about how he kind of gets into his headspace you know to do you know whatever scene that he's he's looking at and um he said he he listens to a lot of music so he'll just kind of like drown himself into music that kind of gets him in the mood Uh, so again i always find it interesting to to kind of listen to behind the scenes kind of stuff uh, and, and look into that, you know, just kind of how people prep for, you know, different things. The only other thing I had on my notes was uh, there was a bit on the filming side of things. And I guess for season five, they had to go into a lot more um, populated areas than they would normally go into. There's, there's a lot of urban filming and they talk about how, you know, there's several streets they had to shut down and filming during the day and, you know, they even asked people across the street to, like, shut their blinds so it wasn't just a bunch of people looking out their window and people were cooperative. And uh, the production crew is just kind of talking about how it's important to work with the community and work with everybody to, uh, you know, make sure that they, you know, b- basically involve them in the process so that they're not feeling like they're invading uh, what's going on. Neat. So I recommend taking a look at that it's on the amc tv website so so there's there's a lot of cool season five little video snippets and stuff on the on the amc tv site as as always which is Um, uh, oh people people can find on the facebook page too i think a number of the you know the members on the facebook group have been posting all these videos and stuff every now and then which is cool it's great thanks guys one other thing um in case you uh didn't dvr it and it's not quite on netflix yet if you do have some sort of cable subscription you can go to AMC TV and they're showing season four for the next, I think, 43 days, which makes sense because that's about where, where the season five premiere is. Um, if you authenticate with your cable provider or a cable provider, um, you can, <clears throat> you can rewatch any or all of the season four episodes, which I, I thought was pretty cool that AMC is, is doing that. Well, speaking of season four, uh, Aaron, didn't you get a chance to check out the Blu-ray recently? Uh, yes, I did, Jim. Thank you. Um, yeah, the season four Blu-ray arrived. Um, I guess it uh, doesn't matter because we're recording this after the fact. But um, yeah, it, re- it arrived recently, I, and I got to check out the entire uh, Blu-ray set. Um, I will say this is a step up from last year's set in terms of con- like bonus content. I remember being a bit um, underwhelmed by all the stuff they were throwing in there. The uh, the new set. Uh, has a lot of good stuff on there. Uh, the the there's, it's like five discs, and the first four discs are all the episodes of the season. And the last disc, the last disc is all supplements, is all extra features. Um, this one, like it has a lot, like a lot of the stuff was available like after the Walking Dead episodes came out. Like you kind of go on, you can go online and see a lot of little like mini mini web not webisodes, but little 
bonus behind the scenes content for each episode and they've basically just they've taken all that and put that on the fifth disc here so they like every episode has like a little like a bonus making of point and a bonus um just like behind like the concept of the episode which like if you haven't seen that already it's cool to you know you have it on blu-ray nice so you can watch it whenever um at the same time there's also several featurettes on that fifth disc as well one that goes over herschel one that goes over the governor just things like that that just kind of add to the you know the season what the, how they're shaping it uh, rick's arc is another uh, topic of discussion which is pretty cool and then there's a lot of commentaries uh there's a good like five or six or even seven commentaries on this uh this season which is you know that's a i as a fan of commentaries of listening to them not just recording them i i'm a fan of you know hearing what people have to say about things like that and um so yeah they um there's a good number of commentaries the thing that well, there's two things to point out one um the episode still which is the one that features De- uh beth and and uh daryl for like the majority of it where they're in the the, the um the, the still the still the and, they, and they burn down the house at the end one of my least favorite episodes of the season, which most of you guys love more than me. Um, that one has two different commentaries, which was <laughs> like, ah, I got to watch this episode twice now. So <laughs> I can see both the one with like Norman Reed talking about the episode with uh, the writer of the episode and uh, Emily Kinney talking about the episode with the director of the episode. Um, and the other thing is Andrew Lincoln's on an episode. He has, he did a commentary with Scott Gimple for the Grove, an episode he's not featured in, um, <laughs> but that is interesting. But the reason this is interesting is they're really interesting is because Andrew Lincoln's never watched an episode of the walking dead before doing this commentary. This is, that was, really? that was the first time he ever watched a full episode of the walking dead doing that commentary. I guess it makes sense because he doesn't like to watch himself act, which is why he probably chose the Grove because he's not, and featured he's in, in most of the episodes. So yeah. yeah. Well, wow. the Grove, well, the Grove, no, not the Grove, the Grove he's not in at all. It's the, right. That's what I'm saying it's one of the few that he's, that not, he's not in so, yeah completely yeah. yeah so he you know got to get, got to kind of go around that I guess but yeah that was that was interesting to listen to just because yeah it's Andrew Lincoln you know being involved in the commentary and let alone for the first time ever listening to or watching an episode of the TV series and like Gimple's constantly like chiding him to tell him like watch more now you need to go back watch more episodes <laughs> dare you like it's it's a, it's an entertaining one it's a pretty um, good yeah. show you should check it out <laughs> <laughs> but um. And he swears a lot too. If you're into that kind of thing, Andrew, he's, he's big on swearing. He, he asks permission, and they say, "Yeah, go for it." And he starts just cussing up a storm. Nice. Uh, but yeah, the Blu-ray set. Uh, it's you know, if you if you've been buying the Walking Dead Blu-ray so far, this is another one to add to your collection. It's a good, solid set. The audio and the picture quality is very good. As uh, the, the reviewer on Wise of Blue, the site that I also read for uh, Brian, he wrote a whole big long review about the Walking Dead. It it, it holds true because the show looks like it looks great on hd on a television when it's airing live but when it when it airs when you put it on blu-ray you can really see how great of a show like production wise it is because the the seeing like the clarity of these zombie effects and whatnot especially for the practical makeup like it's great it's a great set too it's a great you know show to watch in terms of the you know filmmaking aesthetics that go into it and uh yeah the um it's out now um, I know there's that uh, that special collector's edition that's like the tree walker set. Like every season has a kind of special like case to come in. Like season two had the screwdriver head, and the season three had the wall of heads from the governor's lab. This one has the tree right. walker. Um, if you you know if you don't mind not having shelf room for your Blu-rays, yeah, go for that set. It's big and elaborate. <laughs> I don't I didn't get that because I don't need any of that in my life. But uh, go for it. I guess I've seen videos of it. It looks pretty cool. I'm just glad they added more commentaries and more behind the scenes stuff. I mean, that's the real reason I buy Blu-rays. I mean, for sure i know yeah. russ feels the same way i mean we're i'm sucker for yeah. that kind of stuff and i believe yeah, the webisodes are on there i didn't i can't recall offhand if they are in there or not i imagine they, they should be that makes sense 
Speaking of which, we haven't got webisodes yet, but those always seem to come October. I think we always complain about the fact that we haven't got webisodes, and then we realize, oh yeah, that's right, it comes out the first week of October. So get that out of the way now, I guess. <laughs> It'll be the history of the tree walker. <laughs> it'll, it'll just be stop motion of that zombie there as the tree yeah. just grows around. It'll be like yeah. the end of that Futurama episode with, the, with Jurassic Bark, except with a tree walker instead. And way sadder. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about the Daryl Dixon gay thing? I love it. I but, don't even. I, it's, I'd like it, to start there. It, you know what? It's like such a non-story kind of. It is in yeah. a way. It's like it's such like a story that's not even really a story. It's like yeah. you know, Scott Gimple and Kirkman being coy about uh, Daryl Dixon's uh, sexual orientation. That's pretty much the entire story right there. Yeah, that's it. It's you know people that are shipping Beth and Daryl that got bored and are like, well, since no one told us that he's not gay, um... <laughs> yeah. Whatever that? it takes to keep, I guess, keep people talking about the show and the characters, you know, why not, right? I mean, if you're coy about it, then people are going to speculate and, you know, go crazy one way or the other um, and just make a bunch of noise. And so, I mean, if you're AMC or Kirkman and the production crew, you're like, hey, people are, you know, it's off season, slow news, people are still talking about it, so... Uh, that's a good thing. All right, so we cleared up that story that's not going to exist. Yeah. <laughs> no need to talk about that, right? Got to the bottom of But that if it one. does come up in the show eventually, hey, at least we talked about it now. There you go. We'll have that in the outtakes forever. I, I don't know. It just seems like such a... It doesn't seem like a real... It's like, I don't know, some, all the different hubbubs that, that, that come up, you know, in the, in the fanboy press and just for the sake of, uh, you know, some, some clickbait or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Just, I mean, there's nothing... To me, there's nothing in the show that's really led me to believe that he is, but by the same token, there's not a whole lot that would lead me to believe that he isn't. So it, it just I, it really doesn't matter. Like, I really, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That's where I am. It doesn't really matter to me. You know, he's the reason that he's interesting to me as a character isn't because of that. So it doesn't matter to me either way. You know, it'd just be like another facet of his character. Does that make sense? Agree. I agree with you. So. But yeah, October twelfth is the premiere date, guys. I'm pretty excited. I mean, I know you are too. Yeah. Uh, do you think we're going to get some more trailers before beforehand? I mean, are AMC going to stick with the policy of giving us like a trailer, a teaser trailer, like running to every week up until the premiere? Or... We'll get. Yeah, like, I think we'll see more. We'll get those you know, commercial I'm... stuff, like the little clips, but not like a full on trailer. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's going to be more of these little ten second bites. Yeah. Plus, we're starting to see uh, the isn't there a sci-fi channel uh, Z Nation? I think it's called. Yeah, with Michael from Lost. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, you know, finally we're seeing some you know competing uh, zombie television shows. I know I Zombie is uh, is on. Uh, that's another one. Is uh, this CW? Fall? Yeah, on the CW. Yeah, that would be CW. Although that's a fairly different zombie what's funny is that you get that question it's like man are there too many zombie shows coming out now and i'm like well there's like what 20 different like family random comic rom-com things there's yeah. a bunch of cop shows yeah. like what we got like two or three zombie shows no there's not a, there's not too many zombie shows on tv no not yet barely scratch the surface as far as i'm concerned oh and for all of our fans who uh wait and watch the seasons on netflix season four of the walking dead premieres on netflix on september 28th Nice. Uh, keeping true to form just a few weeks before the premiere of the new season. So, if you've been waiting and you haven't been able to see it yet because you don't have AMC and you wait for it to come to Netflix, 
September 28th. Yeah, you still listen to our show for spoilers for some strange reason. <laughs> That's hey, it, you know. guys. That's it, You, guys. Jimmy, this note is for you. Guys, Low Winter Sun's already on Netflix, so if you want to catch up now with what Lenny James is I'm, doing when he's not, as Mavis Morgan, I'm, <laughs> you can watch it. I'm, I'm dropping my headphones right now to go watch it. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I think we've said all of the news about the television show, so let's now transition to talking about season two of the Telltale Walk. Walking Dead game. So for those of you who haven't gotten a chance to finish it yet, because the final chapter only came out a few days ago as we record this, um, this might be your chance to cut out. And speaking of which, I know, Russ, you have not finished the game yet, so I believe you're going to be bidding us adieu? Yes, uh, I'm a couple chapters behind, um, but I am a huge fan of this one. All that Telltale stuff, that and the Fables one are just outstanding, so um, I can't wait to put down Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls long enough to go back and finish off uh, The Walking Dead and Fables, to be honest with you. So uh, I, I I will enjoy listening at some point in the future. Awesome. Well, you have a good rest of your night, Russ. See you guys later. Thanks. See you, Russ. All right. So, again, last chance to get out if you don't want to be spoiled on the very awesome uh, Walking Dead game from Telltale. Stop. Drop. Get off the podcast right now. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> As I predicted to a buddy of mine who I work with uh, a couple days before it came out, I said, I think this season's going to end with just Clem and a baby. And depending on which ending you get, uh, I was right, but not depending on some of the other endings. So, uh, gentlemen, which endings did you get? Which would you, what would, And I know some of you have done multiple playthroughs. So for your primary Clem, your Clem... How did the season end? I did not do multiple playthroughs because I can only deal with this once. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, In a good way. Yeah. Um, I guess, because I, I, I'm curious how different everything is, but um, I ended up shooting Kenny, um, going with um, Jane, um, back to where the, um, where what's Michael Madsen's character's name? Uh, uh, Carver. Carver. I forget the name yeah. of the town was. Yeah, but, but I went back to Carver. The Carver's, like, homestead. Uh, we got inside there. And there is another, like, we're, like, you know, looking around, like, hey, what are we going to do now? And then, like, a random family comes out. It's, like, a small boy and, like, two adults, like, the father and the mother. And we had the option of, like, either saying go away or come in, and we invited them in. So it's myself, or it's it's Clementine, Jane, and this new random family, and we're in the Carver's place. Hmm. Wow. Jim, how did your season end? <sighs> my Mine ended with, uh, well, when Kenny and Jane fight, I shot Jane, and then, um... Kenny basically, t- and, and you know, we found I found the baby in the car, and then Kenny basically told me that he, you know, um, and, and my Clementine is like didn't want Kenny to come with him, with her, um, and it was her and the baby alone, her and AJ alone, uh, walking away, and Kenny agrees. He's like, you know, you're right. I'm not myself. I can't be trusted. You're right. You know, you'll be fine, Clementine, on your own. And then you know, you walk. I, it was just Clementine walking away with the baby by herself. And then there's a, uh, a scene, like a, a cut scene after that, of her coming across the field of a bunch of uh, walkers and uh, smearing like zombie juice from a fallen walker on her and the baby. Uh, and that was the way my game ended. Yeah, which is a very, kind of a very, I was saying this to Jim before we started recording tonight, but kind of a very dark mirror of the already very dark ending from the first season. Um, this game uh, is, is so heartbreaking. I mean, for the people that haven't, or if you're listening to this, I imagine you played it, or you don't care about spoilers, but, um, I mean, the decisions you have to make and then live, it's not even the decisions you have to make, it's that you have to live with them after. 
and the consequences that they bring about. And sometimes, a lot of times, there are a lot of unforeseen consequences that, that new decisions bring about. And I don't, I mean, some of these characters, I think, you know, are just as, if not more, realized than some of the characters in the show. I mean, Clementine oh, especially, I, you know. That's, that's, that's very little debate for me there. I think the writing's much stronger in this video game than it is in the TV series. It's, and it, it, but it definitely has that brutality, that survival mentality that the comic has, that the show has. It's definitely a walking dead game. And it's definitely, in my mind anyway, much more adapted from the comics than the show. Oh, easily, yeah. Yeah, but especially it has, with the it captures I mean, that tone much better. Yes, with the visual style, the cell shading, and the, even the you know even the credits and, the, and everything are, are from the comic. I've said many times that I think the 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 game, especially during season one, is my was my favorite way to digest the Walking Dead universe over the over the comics and over the uh, TV series. And I think gameplay wise, this uh, this second season was superior to the first. Um, they made a lot of subtle changes that really improved the game. And really refined a lot of the stuff that was I, I, w- I don't want to say bad in the first season, but just not as good as everything else. Um, and and they learned a lot from from both season one and also um, the Wolf Among Us, the Telltale, uh, the uh, the Fables game from Telltale. Um, some of the same mechanics they implemented from that game, I thought it worked really well. I, I didn't say my ending yet though. Uh, in my ending, I shot Kenny, and then I left Jane in the dust. Hmm. And uh, Clem and I actually, I might have shot Jane. I don't remember if I shot Kenny and then shot Jane. I know my my Clem definitely said uh, after Jane revealed that it was all a ploy and that AJ was just fine. Um, Clem finally did what I'd wanted her to do for a long time and said, "You're fucking crazy," which I think that's the first time we ever hear her use that particular word yep. in the game. And then uh, she leaves with AJ, and it's the same cutscene uh, that Jim got at the end. Was this a surprise to you that it was a ploy? Because I thought that was so obvious to me. Like, <laughs> for me, it was very obvious, but I could totally buy that Clem being you know twelve or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, in that respect, yeah, I get. It. Well, I it was more, I guess, Clem's reaction to it that surprised me that she didn't realize that. Like, just based on how Jane was acting about the situation, it just seems so obvious. Like, clearly, she just hid the baby somewhere to see because she like the way she phrases it to Kent or to Clem uh, in anticipation of what Kenny's gonna do. It just seems like I just want a greater reaction. It's like, all right, yeah, you clearly didn't kill this child, and I, I, I just I felt like I thought Clem, I guess somewhat wised up to this fact but then she's like super surprised that the baby's actually still alive and that threw me off and it's like really i thought you kind of I thought we were in on the same joke here clem i thought that was kind of where we were <laughs> the hilarious baby death joke. Oh, yeah. so funny. you know those um let, let's talk about some of the other stuff from uh from this chapter um and the season in general um d- did you steal from arvo or did you make jane give the stuff back i made her give it back i did too so so did I. Um, how? What? At what point did Sarah die in your playthrough? Of, of the many times she can die, oh how God, far this, did you get her through the game? This bitch. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Don't hold back. Tell I, us how you really feel. I uh, I rescued her from like she was like crouching in a corner, and I like we got her through like a skylight. I got her through that. It was when she was like when like the whole like the balcony started collapsing, and she fell under that. And I did everything I could to get this girl rescued, and she still died. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I like made Jane go after her and everything, and she still died. That's when she died. So I did everything I could to rescue this idiot, even though I, I get that she's she, uh, she's challenged. I think she's, she's that's, that's she's sheltered. She she's sheltered. I think there's something a little more going on there too, but uh, it's not explicitly spelled out necessarily. But yeah, that girl, she was, despite my efforts, she she event, she perished, I guess, in the last possible scenario she could have perished. 
It's just, I don't know. I, I hate escort missions in any context. <laughs> so. Well, except for the first season. I mean, the first season basically is one giant escort mission. I know, the Last of Us is an escort mission game, and it's one of yeah. the best games ever made. <laughs> that is true. I, I, I hope to play it someday. But, um, yeah, I, I, I did not survive. I don't think I kept her alive as long as Aaron did. Uh, she died in mine the same place uh, she died in Aaron's uh, when the balcony fell. I didn't even have Jane try to rescue her. I just rescued Jane. I figured you, you've had your chance, and then your second chance, and then your third chance. You're just going to get us all killed, and I let her die. See, Jane was my rock. Like I get, I got where she was coming from. It's not. I, I like Jane. It's not that I agreed with anything she was doing, but at the same time, it's like I, I trust her to be her. Kenny was a wild candidate. Like I, 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 didn't know. I didn't know what he was going to do that was going to help me. Well, yeah, like, at the end, I think it was Jim you saying from your playthrough, he's like, yeah, I haven't been myself, or maybe that was Aaron. Like, no, that's the problem, Kenny. You've been yourself this entire second season, yeah. and yourself, just like in season one, sucks. Yeah, he was kind of making, <laughs> yeah. he was making excuses for himself to Clementine. He was trying to justify himself. And he's like, I, oh, no, I, I agree. Yeah, but I, I just, like, I gave him a lot of straws. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, yeah. this is it. He's the last one, huh? <laughs> It's like, the only reason you're still around is because I know you, and I at least know in which ways you're unpredictable. Uh, I can't predict exactly what you're going to do, but I can predict you'll be unpredictable. There's some interesting, uh, I have some interesting stats, too, on the uh, percentage of, of what people uh, need as far as choices in this game, if you want to hear it. Yeah, if you got them in front of you. Yeah, um, selflessness protected the baby. 84% protected the baby, and 15% went for cover. Oh, I protected the baby, yeah. Yeah, I did too. It's a baby. (laughs) I I have two kids. What do do you think I did? Uh, Risk went to help Luke. This is almost half and half. I Uh, didn't go and help Luke. Well, 50% did not try to help Luke, and 49% did. So that's pretty well split. I did not try to help him. I know for a lot of people who didn't, it wasn't so much that they didn't want to help him. It was just that... His reasoning made sense. Yes. Don't come out on the yes. ice because it will break. No, Luke was a good guy. I mean, I I, I liked Luke, but yeah, he, like, no, this is just going to get me killed. It seemed like this, right. and it almost did. Yeah. yeah. Which, like, speaking so, of which, did all of us uh, not? Did you, Jordan? Did you say you did or didn't go through? I, I did go for him. What happens when he? That's what I'm curious. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming you get the Lee flash. Not, I guess, flashback dream sequence. Yeah. Uh, I get the same thing. Like you, you fall through the ice. Uh, you go to help him, you fall through the ice because, like he said, it's too much weight. Um, you're trapped underneath the ice. You're trying to, um, like, pound your way out. You try to f- help him as well, but a zombie grabs his leg and drags him down under the ocean. No. And then eventually they pull you out and bring you up by the fire. And I guess, is that where you get the flashback, or is the flashback when you get shot? It's when you get shot. That's yeah. yeah, it's when you get shot. Uh, how heartbreaking slash awesome was the Lee dream sequence? Oh, my God, I was... The, don't get me started on the Lee Clementine relationship. This will be too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole different podcast. Huh? It's a different podcast, guys. <laughs> uh, loyalty asked to leave with Mike. Ninety-four percent did not ask to leave with Mike. Oh no! Yeah. Screw him. And five oh, percent did. Yeah, I didn't either. It's like um, not just Mike, but with Arvo too. It's like, guys, <laughs> we got this. Like, no, get out of here. Yeah. I asked to leave. I had no real problem with Arvo up until the point where he shot me. Like, I, I found him to be kind of misguided, but not evil until then. The, I mean, slightly before then when he was kept glaring at no, me. No, yeah, that's but... why. That was exactly the reason why I was like, this guy's not going to trust me ever. I'm not going with this. <laughs> but it was more that I liked Bonnie. It was less to do with Mike or Arvo and more that 
despite the fact that Bonnie did betray us in the beginning, um, yep. I do like her, especially from like 400 Days and stuff. She's an interesting character. I, I agree uh, with all that, but I Jane again, Jane was my rock. I like Jane more. <laughs> I was so willing to stick with her. I like Jane more as well, but if the choice was this group that has that doesn't have Kenny versus that other group that does, I was going with the one that didn't have Kenny. I feel, I feel like I feel like I was reasoning to myself that if Kenny gets away from Arvo, then things will be better. I think that's where I was at at that point. <laughs> I think that's just called denial. <laughs> a little bit. Nothing's yeah. ever going to be better but, uh, with Kenny. Well, but it's just, it just the, the situation too is like pretty bad. I was like, oh, come on, Mike and Bonnie taking Arvo and leaving—that's cold. Like, I, it felt too cold-blooded. So I was, I was not going to Rick James that one, and I stayed behind. <laughs> what uh, what decisions did people make uh, regarding Kenny, uh, Jim? Uh, survivalism shot Kenny sixty-nine point seven percent shot Kenny, and then the other thirty percent looked away, didn't pick up the gun. Interesting. I never even thought not to pick up the gun. I think I just immediately grabbed it. You know, when I had the it's chance. It's nice to know these. It's nice to know these percentages now because I played it like right away. Because I love playing this game. I love. I played it right away, so I like only had like a an idea of what the stats were. But now we have like a you know a week of time right. passed, so we can really kind of see it better. I'm curious. Is that saying that they didn't shoot Kenny initially, or they didn't shoot Kenny when he was like, "You should go ahead and shoot me"? No, they didn't shoot him at all. At all, away yeah. from him or when it was when it was either Kenny when it was Kenny or Jane like, it was, right. like Kenny's holding the knife up at Jane or like stabbing her basically like, that was because right. I could I could totally see not shooting him the second time but if you're gonna shoot him it seems like the first time is the most appropriate like someone is going to die there I want it to be the insane one and not the one who's at least you know stable enough to help me survive semi sane yeah <laughs> damaged but sane and then the final one they have here friendship in the end who are you with. Uh, 36.8% uh, say they were with AJ and Kenny. That makes sense, because um, the, the, that's the smaller portion that didn't shoot Kenny. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, alone with AJ, 22.7%, which is where Jordan and I ended up. Um, with AJ at Wellington, 16.6%. Um, with AJ, Jane, and the family, 13.5%. Uh, that was where you ended up, Aaron. That's me, yeah. And, uh, so that's with, a low one. <laughs> yeah, and then with AJ and Jane, uh, just ten percent. Huh. So it's, I just I find it interesting. I really find it interesting the, the way other people you know play this game and being able to see, you know when they break down the percentages at the end to show you like the choices that other people made. Yeah, um, that's cool. and they made a really big marketing push with this final chapter of you know play it as your Clementine would play it. Like what what decisions does your Clementine make? And I think that's the most appropriate thing they could do because it really is all about, it's not about how I play it. It's about what my Clementine would do, you know, like, and yes, I understand that that is still how I'm playing it, but it's, you get attached to this character so strongly that it's all about what she would do. It's role-playing in kind of the most pure sense. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, and you say that they had a marketing push for this one in that kind of sense. They did the same for uh, season one too. Like they, they were, I, I hadn't seen many ads for the game until like the finale was coming out for season one when it had the hashtag for Clementine all over it because it was really wanted to like sell home that this is the you know the penult this is the ultimate finale of what's going to happen between Lee and Lee and Clementine here, especially given that you know what's going to happen to Lee's going to happen to Lee in some sense just because of how the fourth chapter ended in that season. So it's like it, yeah they they go to they go to bat for these these uh, Walking Dead like they they approach it like a like a television series where they want to make you aware that this is a big event. <laughs> There's a season finale yeah. of this game happening. You should play. Now, how do you guys, do you guys like the more bite-sized uh, uh, way they've 
you know, presented these games. I really, I really finding now that I appreciate more the digital download size games rather than the store-bought, you know, disc-based games. I mean, obviously, they, they made Season 1 available as a disc. I'm sure they will eventually here. For two, but, yeah. But I really like the season format. I mean, I think it really works for this kind, especially for this kind of game. It's so story driven. It helps create that anticipation, you know, from episode to episode where it's, you can have those kind of water cooler moments with people, you know, who play of what happened with your Clementine? What did you do in this situation? What do you think is going to happen next? And that's something you couldn't have if it was all in one chunk. I, I agree with you, Jordan. And I'll also add this and I'll, Jim, you can relate for sure because you have children. Um, you, you only have so much time to play video games these days, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Same as me. I don't have nearly the same amount of responsibility that you have as, you know, you're, or care- you're caring for lives. But, um, in terms of like, you know, work, movies, writing, more work, other stuff, extracurriculars, there's only so much time I can allow for video games. So having a set game that comes out sometime every month or couple months where I know I can devote exactly two hours of time to that as opposed to playing something like Assassin's Creed where I can get sucked into it or just play for 15 minutes and not feel satisfied by it. Knowing that a Walking Dead game is going to have a chapter is going to come out and that it's going to be like exactly like two hours, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. That's perfect for me. And I love that for it. I love having that. I love that it helps that, you know, the story is so rich with characters and well-written and very satisfying on multiple different levels. But having just a set gaming experience coming my way that's perfect. I, I like that. I, I couldn't agree with you more uh, on that point. I mean, having, I mean, back in the day, I used to love the the sixty, seventy, eighty hour RPGs or, or movies, you know, the or the games that took hours and hours and hours to master. And and to be quite frank, I don't know if I'd want to sit and binge play this whole season in oh, one sitting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a very oppressive atmosphere uh, for for a story, and it would be a lot to take a ten hour experience of that magnitude all at once i think breaking it down to you know these like you said these two hour chunks is much more manageable and speaking of the the atmosphere this season and you know this is at least my reading of it its themes seem to be that of futility uh, uh for a lot of the characters particularly you know uh, particularly sarah was really what kind of encapsulated it for me you know, season one was all about protecting Clementine. You know, discovering this world, but mostly you were there to protect Clementine. Season two, when you're playing as Clementine, it really does shift to a I don't, not even defeatist is not the right world word, but a sense of futility of doing the best you can, but understanding that it's probably still going to turn out terrible anyway, and. Whether it's Nick, you know, you can't save Nick. Whether it's Sarah, you can keep saving her over and over again, but she's going to die eventually. Um, Whether it's Krista, who you can keep looking for, but sometimes you're just never going to find somebody until maybe season three, who knows. Um, I found that really interesting as a connective theme throughout this season uh, uh, of just survival in, in its, in its kind of most pure of just that futility of, of a Sisyphean, you know, I'm throwing around buzzwords here, but it's a Sisyphean task. You know, you can only go as far as you can go before you're going to get rolled back down to where you started. And seeing that through a child's eyes or, or you know, a very young adult in, in this particular situation um, was very interesting. Yeah, I agree. I In terms of, like, yeah, quality of the game overall, like, I still love this game quite a bit. I would say in terms of, like, an emotional story that was told, I feel like season one like got me more it brought me more into what was going on in terms of these characters just and i think that just based on playing asley and being a kind of father figure 
there's something more, I don't, I don't know, that channel deeper within me for whatever reason, as opposed to this season where you're playing Clementine. But that said, I mean, it, having the, you know, the learning from past flaws of the first season, let alone having, you know, like the, the uh, Wolf Among Us game, you know, you have different, the gameplay slightly, you know, change for the better, just because, you know, you get better as you make this game more and more, so you find out what works and what doesn't. I think there's less stupid puzzles. Less stupid puzzles. The gameplay is just better overall. The you know even there's some writing stuff that's in effect like overall I would say better just in terms of how it's handled. Even the choice, the decision making process is less black and white. Is much less black and white. Even the first season wasn't that black and white in terms of like you could be good or bad. Like it may it give you some tough decisions decisions to make. But this one I think even stretched that even further in terms of how crucial not crucial but uh, how. How up, ruthless you can how be. How ruthless you can be and how up in the air some of the choices seem to be as well. You can make a choice that you just you don't even know if that's the right one, but it's like you're you're so pushed for time and you're going with gut instincts or you're trying to use too much logic in a short amount of time. Like there's just stuff like that 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 really make that game a lot very interesting. Well, one that stuck out to me was um and, and this brings up a question, but for you guys, did you when when you've came to that uh, it's not the final thing, but the the final battle with Carver, did you let uh, Kenny beat him to death. Did you stay and watch? Like, what happened there for you guys? Let him beat him to death. Didn't stay to watch. That's exactly what I did. I, I let him. Well, do it, I didn't stay. I let him beat him to death, and I stood there and watched. Like it was for me. It was kind of a you know a coming of age moment, basically for <laughs> Clementine of uh, you know going through the fire to see this. And I don't. I don't think I'd say it came back to bite me. But in one of the final confrontations with Kenny before the actual end. You know, they did it in a much better way than in season one, where in the end of season one, you have that guy, uh, the really creepy guy in the hotel room who's like, just lists every choice you've made, choice you've made throughout the, the first season and basically throws it back in your face no matter what it was. And this, it was you're in the car with uh, Kenny and Jane and he's throwing, you know, they're kind of running back and forth between some of the things that have happened. And they're differing opinions about them, which I thought was much more elegantly done than in season one. But he throws that back in your face of... You you don't want you didn't want me to kill Arvo now, but you know you were just fine with standing there and watching me beat uh, you know Carver to death and cheering me on, and and some of those things where you know I thought I was making the right decision or I thought I was making a very pointed decision, having them come back later, not even just there in the end, but in just like you said, those unexpected ways was really satisfying. I think they realize as they've gone on too to put like fewer of those like. The puzzles that kind of take you out of the story or stuff like that in there—they they finally really don't—they really don't need them at all. The, the they were a holdover from the old days right. of point-and-click adventure, you know, your, your Monkey Islands and stuff. And they have a place in some games. They really didn't have a place here. And I, and I, I agree. It's good that they got rid of them yeah, for the most part. I agree. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Where do you want season three to go? I mean, we've already listed so many different differences between our endings. How do you come into a new season with that many plot threads already that can be so radically different? Where you are, who you're with, who's alive, who's dead. You know, end of season one, you had very few things that could play into season two differently. Um, and more with uh, 400 Days. There's a lot of them this time. Yeah. Um, season one, I mean, there's literally, like, it, it bring, regardless of what decision you make, it brings you to the same place. Like, there's no other way to start season two based off of how season one ends right. um beyond you know just what's in clementine's mind from what's in your mind frame based on the decisions you made this one it ends yeah there's many different disparate story lines that you could have ended off with so i 
I have no idea. I don't know if you're going to continue playing as Clementine or someone different, or there's some like jump ahead to the future. <laughs> you play as AJ. He plays AJ. Yeah, it's the first chapter of Fallout. It's in the future. AJ just AJ's just turned 21 years old. It's somehow in the there's somehow hover cars, even though society ended. It's um, it's crazy. <laughs> all the ro- all the zombies are robots. Yeah, all the zo- yeah. It's a lot like Futurama, but uh, <laughs> it's like a lot of heads. So the governor's back. Uh, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's. I'm very curious where season three is going to go. Would you? I guess my question now is: Would you want to continue playing as Clementine, or do you want to do something else? Oh no, I want to follow Clementine's story. My, my only real worry, and I think Telltale is skilled enough to not do this, but I know other video game series have fallen into the trap, or similar traps, or television shows, narrative things in general have fallen into this trap of. Okay, so we don't know which ending you're going to choose. They're all so very different. So season three starts a year later, and everybody else you're with is dead. And you'll find out about that through, uh, you know, 30 seconds of dialogue. And no matter what happened, uh, you're in Albuquerque now because of things that happened in that last six months. And none of your decisions mattered. I don't think they'll do that, but I worry about that only because the mountain they've created for themselves that they're going to have to cross for season three is so vast, um, I, I just don't know what they're going to do. Well, the only other real option, I guess, is to just, using those decisions you made, you have different ways to begin the story, and they all draw you to one local place in the early on in the season. And and that totally makes sense. I mean, I guess my real question is just... How? What way can <laughs> they do that that's elegant and doesn't feel video gamey? It's a tough question, but yeah, I mean, there really are. I mean, leave it to Telltale to prove us prove us wrong, but I don't know what that answer is. That's crazy, right? Ex- exactly. It's interesting too. They're using this format for a lot of different franchises now. You talked about the Fables game. Uh, they're also going to be doing a, uh, one set in the Borderlands universe, uh, and one in the Game of Thrones universe, and one in the Game of Thrones universe, also with this format. So it'll be interesting to see how good of a fit. I mean, it's a very good fit here for The Walking Dead, obviously. But I wonder how how well that format will fit on all those different uh, IPs. I mean, I think Borderlands. It, it, I mean, Borderlands for people that aren't familiar, Borderlands is a first person action RPG type game that has the same similar cell shading aspect that uh, Walking Dead does. But the characters, it's like a, it's ostensibly a sci fi comedy, and that has me excited just because I think there's a wealth of world to explore, even though they're not kind of pre-established characters necessarily. But there's a sense of humor there and a tone that I think could be. What interesting, but they the the thing I have a, a weird like question about is how do you adapt the fact that Borderlands is focused on having millions of different weapon options into a game that's a point and click, you know, talking game? Like, what's that? From right? what I understand, they're trying to implement some form of Borderlands s combat into the Telltale game, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I don't know that that'll turn out well, but I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm just wondering if there's like enough lore in that world to really make an interesting enough story for them to put a Telltale game together. Well, I think it's a blank canvas. Oh, I think so. I think it's a blank canvas for the most part. I think they've established planets and, like, the society's bounty hunter ways and, you know, claptrap. But um, I I think there's a... Same with The Walking Dead, for that matter. Like, there's nothing here that's already predetermined beyond the tone and the... the, the And Glenn will live. I'm saying the the first season's crossover (laughs) characters, but everything else has just been like, hey... We have a place to go. We have a jumping off board more than anything for The Walking Dead, and I think Borderlands is in the same position. It's just a matter of interest, really. Right. To to go back to your earlier question, Jim, I think this format works for anything that's very story-based. It doesn't have to be zombies. It can be a crime noir story, like with with 
Fables. Uh, Fables. Yeah. It can be a sci-fi thing like with uh, like with Borderlands, or it can be a fantasy thing like with uh, Game of Thrones, or anything in between. As long as story is the focus, and as much as combat really is the focus for Borderlands, particularly in the second game, that story is really good. It and is. The writing is fantastic and super funny, yeah. and then super dark when it wants to be, like incredibly dark. Um, Borderlands, I, and I play. I play it because it's known for its co-op abilities. I play Borderlands for co-op, but it's really hard to like want to chat with your friends when you really want to hear what story is being told because it's very funny and, as you said, Jordan, very kind of rich and entertaining with characters, drama, and whatnot too. Yeah, I hope they can get Anthony Birch involved. I know a lot of the humor from Borderlands too, especially is from him. Yeah, exactly. Which one is uh, Hardwick involved with? Borderlands or Game of Thrones? Is, it, is he a Targaryen? I didn't know Chris Hardwick was involved with one. Yeah, he's in, he's incites in. me. I was joking. He's in Borderlands. He's he's one of the characters in the Borderlands. Is, okay, he's going to be voice acting that. Yes, very cool. Awesome. But yeah, I, love, I love to see this format coming back though, because I remember back in the day, these kind of point and click adventure games, and I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm really glad they're kind of tapping the potential of this format that was kind of you know abandoned for a long time. For sure, yeah. Sam and Max hit the road. That was one of my first games growing up. Yeah. I, um, that game is impossible to beat without a uh, strategy guide. I uh, I hated Mist, but I was a fan of Indiana Jones and The Fate of Atlantis. That was a point-and-click <laughs> adventure game that I really liked. I remember that it's one. It's a classic one. But, uh, a game, of, game of Thrones, like, I have no interest to read the books, but everything else involving Game of Thrones I seem to be very interested in. They're very big books. <laughs> Yeah, that's part of it. It's like, I just don't have time. Like, when am I going to read this? The funny part to me was Russ, uh, who was on the, the show earlier, um, said, you know, oh, we'll just listen to the book on tape. And I said, okay. So I went to my library. I'm like, yeah, can I see, can I uh, you know, check out the, the CDs for the, you know, the audio book? And bam, there was like a 40 CD set. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like oh, I'll, just, like I'll just download long. this. That's okay. <laughs> they are days long. Yeah, yeah, days long, yeah. A lot of, a lot of listening there, but... Like I said, I, I like to see this format, you know, this game format come back, and it's really working well for The Walking Dead. I think it's a really good fit for that narrative. Poor Clementine. Well, I think that probably uh, wraps up our discussion. Uh, we, we got a lot of good talk there about that game in particular at the end there. It's a great yeah, game. I can't it's wait till I mean, Rush finishes it so we can talk with him yeah, about it, too. Yeah. So I think that's it for this week's episode. We got a lot of good discussion in there, particularly about the video game at the end. Yeah. Um, until next time, you can send us a voicemail at 972-798-3830 or an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Don't forget to check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows like Half Hour Wasted, The Long Box of Doom, Black Box, Out Now, Jersey Shore, The Ichapod Crane Cast, The 24 Cup Cast, uh, It's All Connected, our Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, and tons of other stuff. If it's nerdy, if it exists, we'll probably have a podcast talking about it at length. I should, let me, can I say real quick, um, The Ichapod Crane Cast, the, so the podcast that I host with my friends Brandon and Maxwell talking about Sleepy Hollow on Fox, that returns very soon because it's October, or it's, sorry, September 22nd, um, Sleepy Hollow, as well as Gotham, they both premiere on Fox on that day. So yeah, we're going to start that podcast up real quick right then. And the uh, entire first season of Sleepy Hollow just hit Hulu this week. So if you want to catch up, watch the whole season right there. That's a fun show. I'm doing a rewatch before the premiere. I really enjoyed Sleepy Hollow quite a bit. And uh, fun connection, Dave Fenoy, the voice actor for Lee, used to be the voice of Hulu. Boom. This episode is brought to you by that guy. Oh, that really? was I always thought that was nice. Clancy Brown. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can follow us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. I'm at Jordan FRM Jersey. Jim is at Yoda Jones. Aaron is at Aaron's PS4. And Russ is at R Latham, L A T H A M. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page. For the Walking Dead TV podcast, there's a lot of really cool content that we post up there. A lot of the news, um, press releases and things like that will end up on that site. And there's also a lot of good discussion going on there. So you definitely want to check that out on the Facebooks. It's the Walking Dead TV podcast page. Absolutely. And so until there's no more room left in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, keep your hair cut short. Have a great week, everybody. Goodbye. Lord. Ba-da-ba-ba-da. And to Jim. I'm loving it. There we, we are go. recording now. That's what it sounds like. <sighs> How was Breakfast at Tiffany's on the big screen? I've never seen it, it on the big screen. Quite nice, actually. Um, beyond just doing that for my girlfriend, it was like, hey, this is really cool to see on the big screen. And Mickey Rooney <laughs> is quite the choice that they made. But hey, whatever. <laughs> the rest of it is very good. I love I love seeing I love seeing classic movies on the big screen when I can. There's a they've um our our Cinemark Theater here has like a classic uh, movie uh series and my wife and I usually go to like two or three out of the six they do in a row, you know. The annoying thing is uh, with a movie like Breakfast at Tiffany's, it's like how did romantic comedies get worse? Like this is great yeah. <laughs> for how it does its story. It's like how did we not do better than like this? Whatever. I always like finding older movies that have the Manic Pixie Dream Girl archetype in them mm. and realizing that it's not a new thing at all. No. <laughs> like that, Arthur. Like, there's a lot of fun ones where it's just like, man, this is this was really fun back in the day. All right, uh, this is episode. Anybody have any clue? Oh, that's a fun question. Um, <laughs> trivia. Well, here's the trivia, here's trivia. trivia. Email in Walking Dead TV podcast. <laughs> Maybe. Let's see. Nah, I think we one twenty. It's one twenty. I'm looking at the Facebook. Oh, page. Close. This, this one is one twenty. Two twenty. Two twenty one. Whatever it takes. One hundred twenty. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Actual sneeze. Jeez, <laughs> sorry. Jeez, that's a real sneeze. Any housekeeping we need to take care of, Russ, before you actually go, or...? He's, he's gone. Oh, he actually... Okay. <laughs> Fair he's enough. The Eagles, he's already gone. <laughs> All right. Well, through the magic of editing... Keep your hair cut short. It was from uh, one of the things Lee could say to Clementine. Yeah. I think it's the one oh. thing he said to, to her and mine. His last bit of advice, or second to last bit, was keep that haircut short. And she says, "So that's a deep." She pool. says it too. She's like, "Keep your haircut short." Like she's like repeats that to somebody in the. Yeah, and I think it's in chapter five of season yeah, two. Yeah, it is because I just heard it, so I, I know it's pretty fresh. Yeah. <laughs> it was so gratifying to hear her say "fuck." Finally, I was like, especially after the whole "you're talking about kissing stuff." stuff earlier in the season it's like she's practically an adult now and in a situation like that it's like at the end of you know walking dead with they're screwing with the wrong people at a certain point it just sounds fake if she doesn't do it my clem's growing up <laughs>